And this faith is not just merely an intellectual faith, it is a transfer of trust. Uh, when you come to Jesus, you don't say, well, I'm trusting Jesus a little bit, but I'm also trusting myself some. You say, well, what's my contribution? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's your sin. You're bringing all that to the table, and there's a whole lot more there that you don't know about. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we are continuing our year in review. And although it wasn't that long ago, just a couple months ago, we started our study in the book of Galatians, we continue to review that now in this message from Dr. Erwin Lutzer, who explains to us why this letter was written to remind us that there is no other gospel. Stay tuned for that, but first, I'm privileged to share with you an interview with Bill Mounts, one of my mentors from his books. A real privileged interview to share with you today as the many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. One of the best parts about this job is interviewing some of my favorite authors, people that I have been reading for a very long time, uh, but have never had the privilege of meeting in person. Um, Some of them have been Warren Wiersbe. I've been reading his commentary since I was 12 years old and uh, finding out when I came to Songtime that he was actually a friend of the ministry here and had several conversations, not just interviews, but personal conversations on the phone with him. Uh, Became a real good friend and someone who was a great mentor, uh, the late, great Dr. Warren Wearsby. Uh, other great authors that I've been able to interview throughout the years, it's really one of the great privileges and honors. So I have to thank each and every one of you who have supported this ministry, giving me the privilege to interview some amazing thinkers, some amazing authors, and people that have had a tremendous influence in my life and to be able to share those interviews with you. One of those interviews from this past year was with Bill Mounts. He is uh, primarily a, a Greek New Testament teacher, and I had his books early when I was studying Greek, and his ministry has really been an influence in how to actually understand the true meaning of Scripture, not just reading our translations, but getting behind those words. And Bill Mounts has written a book called Why I Trust the Bible answering real questions and doubts people have about the Bible. I asked him to share a little bit about his reason for writing this book in particular, and being that this was towards the end of our summer, right before many of our young adults would be going off to college, I asked him to to answer how they should be thinking, what they should be doing in preparation to going to secular universities or even Christian universities, leaving the home, leaving the nest, and being able to actually understand what is true and what is not true based upon all the misinformation that they'll be gathering and throughout the rest of their lives. And Bill Mounts answered the question so beautifully. I want to share that with you now. This is my interview from earlier this year with Bill Mounts in his book, Why I Trust the Bible. Um, it's good to ask questions. You're, you're, you need to ask questions because until you ask questions and you struggle with the answers, you'll never be fully convinced. And I, what I want people to do is to fully trust the Bible and have it be their guide in their life because mm-hmm. it is the right guide. But if you don't struggle with it and think through it, you won't really trust it. Um, we've had two girls die at birth. And mm-hmm. if I waited until then, for, to decide whether I thought God was all good and all powerful. I don't know what I would have done. Um, 
I, I could have just easily walked away from this God who lets my two girls die. But I'd already made up my mind. I'd already asked the questions. I'd thought through the issues. And I had to kind of reaffirm it when Rose and Rachel died. But I'd already thought through it. And so when those horrible days came, I was ready, somewhat ready for them. So I just think you need to be willing to ask the questions. And then you're going to be getting all kinds of, excuse me, it's just junk in the university. I mean, you, you're going to get just, I, Craig Blomberg said his daughter came home from a secular university once and said that her history, his, her history professor was quoting the Da Vinci Code as historical fact. <laughs> Well, she, she very well knew that the author says this is fiction, mm -hmm. you know, but the history professor wanted, for whatever be the reason, wanted to teach that it was, it shows the Bible is wrong. You know, they, they, they got um, Constantine making up the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, it's just, it's ridiculous. Constantine called Nicaea, but he didn't, he wasn't involved in it. And the, the doctrine of the Trinity was already, it's more, it was more the relationship of the son to the father. Um, you know, that was already accepted as an orthodox position. Uh, the Arians were looking at splitting his kingdom and he didn't want that to happen. But here's this history professor saying Constantine made up the Nicaea made up the doctrine mm. of the Trinity, which is, is just not true. So short answer. When you hear an answer that is contrary to scripture, you owe it to yourself to find the other side. There's always another side. And um, as long as you want to have an honest investigation toward the truth, you have to hear both sides. Mm. And there are plenty of books on the biblical side that will deal with these questions. Hmm. I, th I think that's great advice. Ask questions, and I ask good questions that get to yeah. the actual, the matter of fact. For any of our listeners who have kids that are going to college this fall or have kids mm -hmm. that have already openly made objections and walked away, uh, a lot of them, I, I know, I've heard these stories, they're using uh, all of this stuff in the mainstream media that attacks Christians and say, this is the reason I can't be associated with this because it's such a mm -hmm. group full of hate. For our listeners who are struggling with a lot of these concerns, um, they're wavering. They're 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 wondering how to answer the questions that are being raised. What what advice do you have for the parents that are going through this? Pray number one. Uh, this is a uh, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And Satan and his dominion are in overdrive right now, and uh, you can't defeat it by human means. Um, you you have to be praying. And second of all. Keep your relationship with your children, uh, even if they completely disagree. You want to keep the you want to keep the communication open, because they may reject what you believe now. But if you have that relationship and you keep strengthening that relationship, when they turn thirty-five, they may go, "Oh my goodness, my mom was right all along," and and come back. So you just you have to have that relationship. Um, it doesn't do any good to squelch your kids questioning because that'll just make most kids even run away from you further. Uh, but you need to know the answers. And by the way, what I did in the book was in, it's broken into sections and there's generally two chapters to each section. And the first chapter in a section is just the real broad stroke answers, the basic pictures. The second chapter in each section goes into much more detail. So 
what you need to do at least is at least read the first chapter in each section and and get the answers um, for yourself so that when they do come with questions, you don't sound like a goofus. Mm-hmm. But you go, well, you know, gospel stories were, were anonymous. We don't really know who wrote them. The answer is that actually is not true. Uh, in every manuscript that we have where that's the beginning of it, we, the author name is, is mentioned. And there never was a question. No one ever said anyone but Matthew wrote the first gospel. No one ever said anyone but Mark wrote the second. Oh, oh, okay. So I, I guess I guess those are. In other words, if you just have these basic answers, um, what what I found when I'm speaking is you, you can see the tension in the people's face, mm. and you give like a basic answer like that, and you can just see them relax. And you can go on. You know, I'll give other information or whatnot. But it's that it's like they're saying, okay, there is an answer, and even if I can't remember it, I can look it up in the book, and you know, blah blah blah. Um, but just yeah, yeah, parents need to know this. I had a very good friend whose son presented him a spreadsheet of 200 contradictions in the Bible and said he was abandoning the faith. And mm. my friend was brokenhearted. We went and had dinner with them that night. I looked at the spreadsheet and not one of them was a problem. Well, the Bible says you can sacrifice children. It says you can't sacrifice children. Really? Where in the Bible does it say you can sacrifice a baby to Moloch? You know, and he just grossly misunderstood the Bible. That's the most extreme case I know of. I don't think I mentioned this when this interview first aired, but uh, Bill Mounts had a tremendous influence in my life, in my uh, my early college and graduate school education, as well as uh, post-education, his books, his resources, his YouTube videos, all of those are just great. And to see that he wrote a book for college students and parents with young adults uh, on apologetics, answering those questions, why I trust the Bible, uh, I just had to do an interview with him and what a privilege it was. I, I love to be able to share these with you because really they're, they're moments, they're highlights for me in this past year has been an excellent year. In fact, we actually have a few copies of Bill Mounts' book, uh, Why I Trust the Bible. We have those available. We have that and others that we would love to make available to you as a thank you for your support to the Songtime Ministry. Get all of your Christmas shopping done early. And in fact, uh, today's my birthday. So even for no other reason, send in your support to to me as uh, we continue to minister to you. You can uh, buy me a prime rib sandwich coming up this Thursday. Hey, how about that? Support the ministry here at Songtime. Find out what books are available. Give us a call, 508-362-7070, or head over to our website at songtime.com. Well, today we're continuing our year in review, and in today's message, we're going to be looking back at our study in the book of Galatians. It wasn't that long ago that we wrapped up our study in our two-month study in Galatians, but now we look back at the beginning with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, who explains to us why this letter was written, to guard against false teachings in the gospel. Now, you might think, well, that doesn't happen today. This is a problem in the past. Well, it is just as prevalent today, if not more so, with the mainstream media and with social media and with the way that information spreads. False presentations of the gospel are everywhere, and we need to be aware of it. Here is a message from Galatians chapter 1 with Dr. Erwin Lutzer. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then he continues, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one. He says, but there are some who trouble you and would distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Was Paul passionate about this or what? I have so much to say in this message. I was going to go from here to various distortions of the gospel. And then I realized that since this is a message on guarding the gospel, maybe I'd better spend some time explaining what the gospel is because we can't take it for granted. Uh, First of all, um, God took the initiative to reconcile us to himself. We already read that really in verses 3 and 4. It is God who gave himself in Christ for us. God took the initiative. And the reason God had to is that you and I are sinners who cannot save ourselves and our goodness cannot be added to the gospel because it's good to be good, but only the goodness of Jesus is received by God because All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, Jesus came to earth to die. And when he died, on him was laid that God's judgment for all the sins of those who would believe on him. He took the entire hit, the whole thing. That's why he could say at the end, it is finished. Paul says right here, I was reading it who gave himself for our sins. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, as we frequently sing. Which leads to number three. The third statement is this gift, and obviously it has to be a gift, because you and I can't contribute to it. Our righteousness is good, but it has to be put on a shelf. And God says, your righteousness is on a shelf, unusable. The righteousness that I receive only is my own. So it has to be a gift. This gift is received by faith. And this faith is not just merely an intellectual faith. It is a transfer of trust. Uh, When you come to Jesus, you don't say, well, I'm trusting Jesus a little bit but I'm also trusting myself some. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, it has nothing to do with you. You have to take it from Jesus entirely. You say, well, what's my contribution? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's your sin. You're bringing all that to the table, and there's a whole lot more there that you don't know about. And what happens afterwards, this is number four now, this gift results in a transformation because it not only means that God declares me to be righteous, but in addition to that, the Holy Spirit of God comes into our lives and changes us from within. You know, the gospel's offensive. That if you don't believe on Jesus, 
According to him, the wrath of God abides on you. Now, that's the gospel, and um, today, of course, we have all kinds of aberrations, even within evangelicalism. You'll notice what the Apostle Paul says, there are those who distort the gospel. Well, the folks in his day were distorting it because they were mixing it with works. But let me give you just a quick list, a quick rundown of examples that I see happening within evangelical ranks. I'm skipping some here. The ecumenical gospel. And so there's pressure for people to say, well, you know, maybe that door to heaven uh, has to be pried open just a little wider to let other religions in. Let me speak to you candidly. The Christians should be the least prideful people in all the world. If you and I come across arrogantly, we don't represent Jesus well. And the reason it's all about Jesus, I've explained this to this congregation dozens of times throughout the last 30-some years, and that is because he's the only Savior, other gurus, prophets, but he's the only one who can take away our sin. And then there's the neglected gospel, the slide away from the gospel. The slide away from the gospel always begins with neglect. The gospel has incredible implications, even though it is a free gift. It has incredible... Listen, the gospel affects the way in which you treat your children and raise them, the way in which you treat your wife or husband. It affects the way in which you do your job. You want to do it with integrity? Absolutely to represent Jesus well. You're willing to sacrifice on his behalf. You're willing to invest financially in his work because it informs the way in which you use your money, the way in which you invest it. The gospel touches all of life. It's free, but once you get it, it has transforming power. God accepts you as you are, but loves you too much for you to stay where you are at and works in your heart and mind to bring about the sanctifying, powerful work of the good news of the gospel. Have you believed on Christ? Do you understand the gospel? To the extent that you understand it, do you believe it? Are you saying, yes, I believe in Jesus right now. I'm going to receive him as my Savior. Because I'm a sinner who need a Savior. This is what I've been looking for. Somebody to take away my sins, scoop me up, bring me into God's presence, and declare me as righteous as God only Jesus. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit would use this message. Especially, I pray that you might uncover the deceptions of some who think that they have believed on Christ, but really haven't. It's all about them, and it's, oh, it's all about Jesus, too. But, Father, overcome that, I pray. And now, before I close this prayer, if you've never received Christ as Savior, now would be a very good time for you to pray and say, Jesus, save me. 
I want to believe the gospel. Cause people to believe, Father, overcome their natural reticence, the pride and darkness to show them the beauty of a Savior who can actually save, in whose name we pray. Amen. The main argument in Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia is to contend for the gospel. We must stand on this ground and not waver and not falter. In fact, Paul says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This is a metaphor used throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament to describe the problem that we have when we try to add to the work of God. We saw it first in the book of Exodus, where they were told to leave quickly and to not even wait to leaven the bread, to cook the bread without any leaven. And that has become the, the whole point of Passover and the Jewish practice of getting rid of leaven. And then later on, Jesus would use that same metaphor to describe the false teaching of the Pharisees when he said that uh, their leaven, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, Jesus said to his disciples when talking about uh, the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000. A great context, great story there. But what Jesus is describing is this tendency that we have throughout history, and that spans thousands of years of human nature to add to the message of God, to change the good news, to make it about something else. It's not about God. It's not about his kingdom. It's not about his righteousness. It ends up being about our kingdoms, our righteousness, and about us. And that is not good news. The Bible is not a a tool to tell you how to be a better version of yourself. The Bible is a reminder of what it looks like to be like Christ. And that is the only way that we are made acceptable before God. In fact, as our theme verse, Ephesians uh, 1, 3, and 4, it says that, that God's intention is to make us holy and blameless before him. In fact, that's the only way that we can stand before God. Anything else, anything less than that, even the little bit of leaven, we would be judged and punished for our sins. That's the gospel message. It's bad news, but it's good news because we're not saved by our righteousness. We're saved by the righteousness of Christ. As we heard from Dr. Erwin Lutzer, the only thing that you bring to your salvation is the sin that needs forgiving. I hope that this encourages you and reminds you once again of how important it is to hold fast to the gospel. We believe in many voices, one message, but unfortunately, there are many, many, many voices out there that are not preaching that one message. And we need to be aware of that and hold fast to the teaching of truth. If we've been able to be a blessing to you, could I implore you to be a blessing to us with your end of the year donation that helps us stay on the air right now is where we're evaluating our finances for next year. And the only way that we can continue is with the surety that you will have our back. Do you support us? Do you have our back? Do you believe in the work that we're doing? Let us know. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. Don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our study here in our year in review, as the late, great Dr. Warren Wearsby reminds us once again why it's so important to contend for the faith. Freedom costs something. Don't take it for granted. 
and it's protected by the truth of the Word of God. So live your life in the eye of God, that you obey the rules and you keep the commandments, not from the fear of men, but from the love of God. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse for this year in review. It's Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him.